Hello and welcome to the Sober Bliss Podcast with me, Gail, and my amazing guest. I finally quit drinking for good in March of 2018, and one of the things that helped me was connecting with people on the same journey as me, hearing their stories and finding inspiration. No matter where you are on your journey to sobriety, I hope you enjoy listening to these stories and hope they bring you inspiration, joy and light so you can find your own sober bliss. and welcome to the Sober Bliss podcast with me Gail. Today I'm really excited because I'm joined by the absolutely lovely Carolina from Euphoric AF. Hi Carolina. Good. Today thank you so much for having me. Oh it's my pleasure. Because I've been well not stalking, that's probably the wrong word, but following you since um, my own kind of exploration into living alcohol-free. And I just love the uplifting and empowering message that you share. Um, So would you mind telling us what it means to you to be alcohol-free? Absolutely. I think it means really to be free of the weight of societal expectations, of really outsourcing your fun and pleasure to something outside of you. I think it really allows you to discover your own self-expression and go for what's really on your heart. Now that might sound a little esoteric, but, you know, four or five years later, that's really what I've found is, you know, Mm. first you discover all the physical benefits, then you discover some mental benefits, you know, and, and so many years later, I've really just found that this is how women are able to tap truly into a greater sense of purpose when they're no longer drinking or using alcohol to numb any part of their lives. Even when we do it playfully, even when we were doing it, you know, for the fun, for the weekend, for the, for the Mm. party, for the social occasion, you know, it was still, I think, allowing us to stay stuck in this status quo that wasn't really growing us. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It is a massive block and it is something that numbs us. So, you know, it's like Renee Brown said, you you numb the good, you numb the dark. You can't choose which bits of us we numb out when we're drinking. It just gets in the way of everything. And it is just, such a joy and a relief as you say to be free of all of that and to to work out what it's like to be ourselves again in the truest sense of the word um so how long have you been alcohol free for now carolina um between four and a half five years okay wow that's amazing well done Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) And what kind of led to the decision that you thought, well, I have to do something about this? Yeah, um, so I was someone who partied pretty hard when I was younger. When I was in college and grad school, I really just had no boundaries around alcohol. It was just how I let loose and was basically the, the attitude of my day. But a lot changed as I got older. By the time I'm in my mid to late twenties, I settle down, you know, I get a career, I get a marriage, I get a house. I no longer go out to the bar till 2am, right. You know, drinking because something that I reserve for the weekend, 
I also really start evolving in my health and wellness journey and my mindfulness journey. And so basically what ended up happening is Monday lifestyle. I drank the green juice. I went to yoga classes. I meditated <laughs> yeah. and I was really into health. And then every weekend alcohol would come and basically bulldoze all that healthy progress I make. I would wake up on Monday mornings feeling just so dejected. So not only obviously physically unwell, but yeah. also like I literally took like five steps backward from the progress I had already made during the week. It was like I was on this never ending roller coaster, really. And it drove me nuts. You know, every Monday morning, it just drove me so nuts. And yet I would look around me and everyone else was doing the same thing. You know, I was obviously sometimes I overdrank, sometimes I didn't, but I wasn't by any means, you know, what you'd call a stereotypical heavy drinker, right? I, I definitely had boundaries around alcohol. And every year I actually tried to drink less and less than the year before, you know? So this like quest for the balance, the quest for the moderation, which is just what's so touted in health circles was this never ending quest for me. And I always wanted to take a break from alcohol, but it was always the social event that stopped me. It was always the dinner party, the wedding, the dinner with friends, whatever. Until finally, I just got sick of it. And it was actually hearing of dry January that really like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I can take a break from alcohol and I don't have to explain it to anyone. I don't have to go ring to everyone and tell them I have a problem. And yeah. so that, that dry month was my first kind of month, really just learning how to, how I feel without alcohol in my life. And it was amazing. You know, the sleep was better. The health was good. I was just so proud of myself every day. Uh, come February, I didn't really think I was allowed to keep going. I basically remember my first social wow. event thinking, well, if I want to be an adult, I have to drink because adults drink. <laughs> and so a few drinking times in February, you know, I really then recognized how much I hated drinking a few drinks in and I would lose all of my sense of gratitude and appreciation. I'd turn cr cranky, frustrated. I would not sleep very well. I even started picking little fights with my husband. And so at the end of that February, I was just like, you know what? Drinking sucks. <laughs> I decided to take another break at that point. And that's really when I took a break that just lasted until today. Um, and I really rediscovered myself on that journey. Not only obviously did I experience all the physical benefits and really redevelop a sense of self-love and self-esteem with myself, but I recognized why I was really drinking. You know, I think we all drink because it's socially pushed on us. I think it becomes a habit really easily, but I think deep down my unique reason was because I was bored. I was unfulfilled with my life. I worked a nine to five. I didn't feel like I was making a big impact. I wasn't passionate about my job. And I felt really stuck around it. You know, you just have to get a job and pay the bills. It's just adulthood. And so yeah. when I went alcohol free, that confidence I got of not drinking anymore started spilling over into other areas of my life. I was like, wait a minute, if I cannot drink for 50 days, maybe I can make a change here. Maybe I can actually go after these dreams that I've had on my heart ever since I was a little girl and go after them. And so, you know, in a really short period of time, I launched a business. I eventually left my day job. I wrote a book. I traveled a lot alcohol-free. I started speaking about it, you know, and I just really found what I'm passionate about and started really cultivating a life filled with meaning and purpose mm -hmm. instead of looking for a drink to relieve the fact that I didn't have those things before. And, you know, ever since then, I literally feel like I'm high on life. I mean, obviously <laughs> I have ups and downs, but like meaning and purpose were the two biggest things I think I was missing before. And, you know, now I'm not only just passionate about helping women go alcohol free. I think that's really, really great, obviously. And that's where you start, you mm -hmm. know, as a coach myself, but it's, it's this next level. It's just like, okay, 
we remove the thing that doesn't serve you anymore, but we remove it for a reason. We remove it to create space to find what you really, really want to do in your life and use your precious time on this planet to actually go after it. And that's where I think I have my biggest wins with my clients and also with my life is helping women really go after that next chapter filled with that passion and that meaning and that purpose. Um, So that's my, me in my nutshell and my coaching business in a nutshell. And a lot of what I talk about in my book, Euphoric as well. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just listening to you, it just makes so much sense. Like, why would you not stop drinking if this is, you know, what, what lies ahead of you? And it's so true. I remember drunk dreaming of all the things that I would do when I wasn't drinking anymore um you know all the places I would go all the dreams that I would fulfill but of course you can't do any of that while you're still drinking and it does take as you say the break the long extended break or you know like both of us just leaving it behind altogether in order to go after those dreams and desires and to feel fulfilled again because yeah, you're right. The alcohol, it does fill a hole in us. And sometimes we don't know what that hole is, do we? What that void is. And it takes actually having the courage to take a break um, to find out what it is that we actually need or want in our lives. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds really exciting and uplifting and powerful and you know all the rest of the wonderfulness that it is but when you're in that space of okay I need to stop drinking I want to stop drinking I know that I can do so much more how do you go from that to actually taking the step what did you do was it easy in the beginning you know, I have to say that that voice that was there with me every Monday morning, it was really quiet. That's exactly what it was telling me. It was like, mm-hmm. Carolina, more than this, yeah. you know, and it was the quietest yet strongest voice in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to listen to what it meant, you know? And yeah. for so long, I just made so many excuses, not like it was, it was in denial, but really on the surface level, we are taught that the only problem one has with alcohol is if it looks like this, this, and that. Right. And we don't recognize that as a society, maybe alcohol doesn't serve humans. Maybe it really, you know, isn't really this beverage that allows us to live to our biggest potential anyways. Mm. And if, if we were allowed to be more conscious and aware about it at an earlier stage, it wouldn't even get to the point where it becomes a problem for anyone. And so, you know, that was what was missing is that ability to be reflective. I could be reflective and mindful in so many other areas of my life, but when it comes to alcohol, one must drink or therefore one isn't normal, you know, and that really kept me stuck. So I have to say, I was really stuck for years before, for years before you you don't even know. I have years of knowing how much I wanted to take a break, how much I wanted to change Mm -hmm. diary entries, spreadsheets, you know, where I counted the drinks that I had to try to make less, like just so much anguish, mental Mm -hmm. gymnastics I was playing. But the second I said, I wanted to take a break from alcohol. It was actually as if that was all like released and really, you know, the weight was lifted and the mental gymnastics, I didn't have to play them anymore. I didn't have to do the decision fatigue anymore. I could just decide to not drink. And that was it. There was no more decision about it. 
Now there was a lot of, obviously there's a difference, I think, in learning just not how to drink on a certain night, like a Friday night and learning Mm -hmm. how to be comfortable in an alcohol-free identity, right? That's a different thing that can take a lot longer. And so that's like really what comes up when we go socialize, when people offer us drinks, when we're even just talking about our journey. And I found that every step I took along that journey really actually helped build up my confidence and my courage, Mm -hmm. you know, because here's the thing. Yes. Not only is drinking the road less or not drinking the road less traveled, right. In our society, it also comes with a lot of historical stigma that, oh, you must have a problem or you must be boring or religious or something. And so when you stand in the face of that and you are boldly saying, no, alcohol doesn't serve me. And I'm allowed to make choices for my life that serve my body the best. Hmm. It's really activating your internal courage system. And the thing is, is that anything that we really want in life, the beautiful things, the big things, they often take a lot of courage too. And they often are the road less traveled, you know, like writing a book is the road less traveled, launching your own business, having your own podcast. Most people on the planet do not do those kind of things. And so I think that courage that I had to almost work out like a muscle every time I ordered a mocktail, every time I told a friend was the same courage that got stronger and stronger to design the life I really want to live. Um, and so that is also this like messy part when you're in with it, that it's literally not just about, okay, not putting a drink up to your lips. It's not just that part that you have to solve. It's that really becoming affirming a new identity that, and so, you know, that's something I obviously worked through and, and really helped my clients work through. Um, but for me, honestly, to just take the break, I'm a very like stubborn person. So once it was like a full commitment to not drink this many days. It was just like a done deal before why I struggled so much is because I never really made the commitment. It was always this wishy washy. "Mm, I'll try to drink less kind of a thing. Oh, maybe not tonight, but if it's a, maybe it's always a yes. You know what I mean? So I think that that really helped. And that's why I really encourage people to take a break from alcohol because it's not forever. It's not one day at a time where you're always making the decision every day. It's just a committed period of time you tell yourself you can do anything for that time. And then as you know, you go through it, you can always reevaluate at the end. Are you going to extend it? Are you going to go back? It doesn't matter what you choose necessarily at that point. But at the beginning, knowing that you have that option can be really helpful. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And I agree with what you said. And similar thing happened to me as well, because I too struggled with, oh, you know, just drink Thursday to Sunday and then the rest of the week I'll, I'll be fine. Or maybe today I won't drink at lunchtime or maybe today it'll be fine. But as you say, if it was a maybe, then it was a definite, yeah, I'm going to drink because it was just the commitment wasn't there. So when I stopped, I said to myself, OK, I'm not drinking no matter what. And that was it, decision made. And for me, it was helpful not to put a time frame on it because I knew that, well, this is it. This is the new me, the, the gale who doesn't drink anymore. Because I don't think, like you mentioned there, the one day at a time, I don't know if I could have coped having to make that decision again and again and again every single day. I know it's hugely helpful for some people, because as you said, you know, you can do anything for a day. So let's just not drink today. And the more days you don't drink, then then the easier it gets. But I can just so relate to the freedom of mind 
when what did you call it mental gymnastics yeah. I love that it's so true isn't it that battle in your head the justifying the questioning and the will I the won't I and when it's gone I think that's the main benefit of being alcohol free that freedom of mind that peace of mind um, and not being stuck in that mental you know turmoil all of the time yeah and you know when you say it like that um you know that mental turmoil it takes up so much space in our brain so much energy in our brain i think you know going back to what we started talking about like we are powerful creatures we were meant to be creative expressive and create things and change the world and make lives and when our brain is preoccupied whether Mm -hmm. this should i shouldn't i you know it's like it's like our gift, our beautiful gift is being used to solve a problem that's meaningless instead yeah. of actually using it to solve a problem we care deeply about. And that's why I think that alcohol, removing it really helps unleash your deeper purpose is because you have the full potential of your beautiful creative energy back to you, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when you help people, Carolina, because you mentioned that you work with clients, you do that one-to-one, don't you? And in groups? Correct. I do groups, uh, clients, I do mm. retreats with women. I do, um, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I have a <well>. book. <laughs> that's quite enough. <laughs> so do you focus on, um, you know, the nitty gritty, the managing cravings, the dealing with triggers, or do you do kind of like what I do and try to look at the bigger picture and what it is that you're aiming for, which you know, if you can hone in on how it feels to be alcohol free, then everything kind of becomes a little bit easier to manage. So what is your approach, if you like? Yeah, so I'm so grateful. I've been in the business now for four years. I got started basically right when I, you know, right when I had my own epiphany about how amazing this lifestyle is. Um, And so I've been able to really craft programs um, and packages that really target every stage of the journey. Mm -hmm. And I will say that often the very start, you know, the very first break, the very first, the cravings, the triggers, you know, I really do that in group programs now so that women have a lot of support and accountability and just going through the experience together. And I really reserve my one-on-one time for women who are already alcohol-free or taking a break and really navigating this new identity of really becoming confident in it. But at the same time, discovering what that deeper why is, what that deeper purpose is. So it's definitely a big picture of not only like what's possible for you now that alcohol is out of the way, you know, we almost rediscovering ourselves. I feel like we don't know. I mean, most people don't know what they want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do either. You know, I had some hints. I had some mm-hmm. clues. I knew I wanted to write a book, for example, all my life, but I didn't know I wanted to run a business or be a coach. You know, those came in clues. And so I really love helping women piece together the clues of what they're passionate about, what they want to do with their time on this planet, whether it's a new career or just a passion project on the side, you know, or it's this, you know, some new phase of their life. You know, I don't think we just necessarily have one purpose in life, but I think it comes in phases. And this is this opening of this beautiful phase that's coming for, you know, anyone who's made this transition from drinking to alcohol free. Um, And within that, you know, if a woman wants to obviously launch a business or write a book or, you know, build something that didn't exist before, I'm really passionate about helping her do that as well. Because, you know, by myself, I can only help so many people out there in this world, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's such a joy to also coach other alcohol-free coaches of helping them build their businesses, because the more of us that are out 
just the world, the culture is going to change. Eventually the culture will change. I believe that a hundred percent. I think we're already seeing so many signs of it. The youngest generation doesn't drink as much, nearly as much as the other generations. There's so many alcohol-free options and bars these days. There's so much movement and conversations happening in our space. I really think culture will change, but we are the change. We have to change the culture, you know? And I often teach women, you know, when we're embarrassed to say that we're not drinking or we're just like using an excuse or feeling like it's not acceptable, we're perpetuating that culture that one must drink, that it's the expectation. Now, I'm not saying we'll live in a world necessarily where alcohol is not allowed or prohibited, but to not have that expectation that anyone can choose, you know, and that it Mm -hmm. really isn't mean anything about you. It is literally just a beverage in a cup. You know, we're Mm -hmm. not there yet. And I think that that's the change that we still need to make. And the more alcohol-free women that are out there doing that, whether they're actual coaches themselves, or they're working in a different practice, like in nutrition or in fitness or in, you know, even law, you know, all these things, all of these fields need to be changed and have this awareness, I think, around this to be able to be able to really change the culture, like I said. So I have, you know, programs, like I said, I have my dry boot camp. It's like a 22 day experience, you know, then a really core program that helps change your beliefs around alcohol. So all the reasons why we think we like to drink are, you know, often these, these biases we formed over time that they're Mm. really resting on assumptions and necessarily not on facts. Um, And then really helping women in that next phase of discovering what lights them up now, you know, because in a way alcohol tricks us into thinking that it's fun. Yeah, it does affect the pleasure center in the brain. But the thing that it robs you of is it robs you of actually discovering what's really fun for you, what really gives you pleasure, what really gives you a sense of joy. And we are so lacking of that in this world, so lacking, especially Mm -hmm. for women. You know, the idea of pleasure, just doing something for enjoyment, for joy is so missing in our overproductive society. And to actually go through an experience where you remove the alcohol and have to rediscover what lights you up, what brings you fun. It might feel daunting at first, but it's a beautiful journey. And that's often what I teach in my programs about, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have my clients go out and just have fun for a day. Go try this, go try that, go to tango dancing, you know, go to the botanical gardens, go paddle boarding, go to a painting class, you know, just get out there and explore. And oftentimes when we're open to this creativity and this exploration, that's when our greatest insights and our greatest ahas and our greatest like, oh, that's what I should do next come to us. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, I guess, how I, how I work with women and how I manage my programs. Um, but I love what I do so much. And I think it's because I'm not just talking about alcohol all day. You know, it really is the bigger picture, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, helping people to, as you say, rediscover themselves again, because we, we forget, don't we, what it is that we really love to do. Or maybe we just don't know anymore because we've just been drinking for so long. Um, it is so surprising. I've worked with people who have become interior designers. Some of them have gone back to university. Um, somebody else has started a gardening business. And not just the, the realisation that actually I can do this if I want to, it's the confidence to be able to do it. And I think as well, which is something you say a lot, recognizing that we are worth doing this thing for ourselves. Because you say right on your homepage, rediscover what is it, your worth, your self-worth again. Um, and I think when we're drinking, 
we don't feel worthy or deserving of anything. I certainly didn't. I, you know, it was, it was a punishment of sorts, even though it was something that in the beginning I chose to do, it got to the point where I felt I had to do it. It was the only thing I was worthy and deserving of because I was drinking. Often, you know, I would really want a nap or a bar of chocolate or something. But we're like, no, you can't have that because you're you're drinking. So when we're not drinking, that self-worth and the self-love comes back, which leads on to, to so much. Absolutely. And, and, you know, self-worth, even if we don't think it's a conscious thing about, you know, drinking and that has nothing to do with each other, just the fact of being okay, I'm okay to purposely wake up feeling unwell, Mm. deteriorates our self-worth because then that version of us that wakes up feeling unwell or anxious or whatever, you know, words you use to describe that, it looks back at the past version of you. And it's just like, really, you Mm. didn't care. You didn't care Mm. about how I'd feel today. And that deteriorates your self-worth over time. And literally, like you said, makes you feel like you deserve less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the journey of self-worth isn't just bam and you're done when you stop drinking either. You know, like yeah. I think the journey towards self-worth, it lasts a lifetime of just how much goodness are you really willing to accept and receive in your life? Because there's always a cutoff. Things can only be this good, but they can't be that good. I can't have that life. Well, who am I to have that life, right? I can have a good marriage, but my career has to suck. I can have a great career, but my marriage has to, you know, we literally have a cap on how good we believe our lives can be because we feel that if we really allowed and deserved all the goodness, it would be taken away or that, you know, again, like we're not worthy of it. And you can stretch this to so many limits. Even the person who is making millions of dollars probably doesn't feel like they're worthy of $10 million, right? Like this goes on to so many limits. And so it's really a beautiful exercise to really ask myself, what do I believe I'm worth? And often recognizing that it's the beliefs behind that question that really dictate our situation in life. And that it it really is the beliefs and not the external situations often that we think, you know, is controlling Mm -hmm. our our lives. Uh, You know, two different people could do the same exact thing with different beliefs about their worth and have completely different outcomes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's that belief as well, I think, which does keep us stuck when it comes to to not drinking you mentioned it before um it's the belief that um if I'm not an adult if I don't drink or there's something wrong with me if I don't drink or um you know I'm weird or I'm dull or I'm boring and it is so much about well everything's intertwined the more I'm on this journey the more I kind of realize that it's not just you know, the drinking over here and the rest of life over there, it's all intertwined with our beliefs and our self-worth. But you're right, what you said about society and culture. Um, For me, the biggest block and struggle was what will people think of me now that I'm not drinking? Because I didn't want, you know, to have to explain myself or to have people thinking, oh, you're an alcoholic. You know, I don't buy into that either at all so how did you overcome you know other people shall we say because that's often the thing that can trip us up in the beginning 
Absolutely. And I think we're so terrified of people making up stories about us, right? Mm -hmm. Stories we can't control. You know, like I told you my story and I was terrified that people would assume I was hiding vodka at work, right? Which wasn't the case. (laughs) I was just so terrified that they literally would be making up stories in their head. Um, I was terrified that, you know, people wouldn't invite me out anymore or that, you know, I wouldn't be seen as fun or, or whatever it is. And I had to face every single one of those fears. You know, I think why going alcohol free is also it's not just about the alcohol, right? It's this metaphor. It's this metaphor for spiritual and emotional growth in your life. And you're doing it through the, like the, the theme of alcohol, but it's yeah. actually developing so much more within you. I had to face those fears. Trust me, those fears exist within me, whether it was about alcohol or not. The fear of what people think of me existed, whether we're talking about this or not, but it's exacerbated with alcohol because it's such a touchy, vulnerable subject. And mm-hmm. so facing the fear in that respect you know, recognizing that I can live my life worrying about what other people think and deal with that fear, or I can deal with the regret of my dying day and recognizing I didn't live the life I truly wanted to live because I was worried about what other people thought. So it's fear or regret, which one am I going to face? And I decided that regret would be so much worse. And so Mm -hmm. I stopped caring about what people thought, especially in that realm. I started to become really proudful and really finding role models I looked up to that didn't drink. Tony Robbins doesn't drink. Deepak Chopra doesn't. Yeah. Brown doesn't drink. The last two American presidents don't drink alcohol. The most successful people in the world sometimes are not drinkers because it helps you literally be your best self. Mm. There's literally nothing wrong with that or nothing shameful about that. It's actually something as a point of pride. So I started embodying that pride. I started actually being proud of my mocktails and my alcohol-free beers. If I went to a party, I was hoping people would ask me about them. So I got to talk to them about it. And I stopped thinking, thinking drinking is normal. I, I flipped it on its head. I really started to see all of the health studies that came out, all of the you know, evidence that showed that any amount of alcohol is bad for you. I don't think that drinking is normal anymore. I think it's abnormal, right? Yeah. Just like smoking cigarettes is abnormal. And yeah. you know, I don't feel like the weird one or the odd one out. I look at people drinking and not to be judgmental, but there's a part of me that feels bad that you know they're not going to wake up feeling very good or or whatever it is, you know? So I really, not only did I um, flip the switch and really look for role models that made me feel empowered and like a badass, I also had to deal with the fear of what people not thought of people thinking about me and really recognize that I had to live my life for me and not them. And, you know, there's this really great analogy that like you are the actor, you are the main character of your life in a movie, right? You are the star of your life. And Mm. often these people that you're worried about, they're not even gonna make the credits, They're going to be taxi driver number one and taxi driver number two. Like they don't matter in your life. Right. And yet we cater. I remember it wasn't even my family or my deep, dear friends. I cared about so much. It was the random acquaintances. It was the random colleague at work. It was the professor that I knew a while back. Like it was so stupid. The people I worried about, they were not anyone important in my life. So, you know, really embodying a new confident identity around it, looking for alcohol-free role models. There's so many. Anytime I work with a client, I'll ask them to find an inspiring role model that's alcohol-free and really imagine how would that person react if they were offered a drink? You know, Tony Robbins would just smile and just laugh and chuckle a little bit and be like, I don't drink, you know, he'd be Mm -hmm. so proud of it. He lives such a successful life and alcohol has no room in it, right? There's so many people that carry that kind of energy And I really think embodying them can be super helpful along that way. And, you know, if you look, for example, you work a corporate job and everyone around you works a corporate job 
and your whole family has done that. And, you know, all the security, the benefits, the retirement, you want to go outside that box and go on and be an entrepreneur one day. Oh, everyone's going to have an opinion too, right? You know, not worrying about what people think isn't just in this one little respect. It really is a beautiful step of courage to use in so many other areas of your life. You know, maybe a woman is slightly older and doesn't have kids yet. So she wants to adopt instead of have a baby, you know, through traditional means. That's another huge leap of faith that we have to take. Everything that's really beautiful in life that we want takes these leaps of faith you know, and and doing it for us and not for other people's validation or approval. Because once we're stuck in that loop, to an unfilling life. So it's kind of meta, all the things I'm talking about, but it's, I just think it's so cool that really going alcohol-free is an exercise Mm. and strengthening all of this growth in you and evolving, really evolving from a person who's more fear-based, scarcity-based, you know, people-pleasing based, no Mm -hmm. boundaries to someone who has strong boundaries you know, cares about their own self-worth, you know, before worrying about what other people think um, and, and live an empowered, inspiring life. And I'll have to tell you, you know, so many of my friends were inspired to follow suit. It wasn't, I was the only one who didn't like to feel hungover. Like nobody wakes up after drinking, feeling like a million bucks, right? And it's such <laughs> common sense, but we don't really recognize that in our society. Nobody feels good after drinking. No. And so you're the one who goes alcohol-free first in your friend group. Your, your, your friends probably feel the same. We just don't talk about it. And you might open that door and that level of inspiration for them to be able to start opening their worldview and maybe getting inspired by you. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, and you're right. We can live our lives trying to please everybody else, worried about what other people think, whatever it might be, you know, whether it be drinking or um starting a business or moving to another country or um you know I lived in a cave over here for 12 years which is really normal here everybody lives in caves but when I left the UK to come and live in a cave you can imagine what the comments were and all the jokes you know oh do you have water do you have electricity you know all of that I could have not done it I could have stayed in a normal boring two up two down in England but I too chose to embrace my uniqueness I suppose come out here and and live in a cave and it can be anything we choose to do what we want to do we can either as you say listen to those fears and not do the thing that we want to do or we can embrace the fears uh, show ourselves actually the love that we deserve and go out and do the things that we want to do whether that be living in a cave or stopping drinking (laughs) I love that example that is perfect yeah it is (laughs) it's also very true so I'm a I don't live in a cave anymore I live in a warehouse but um a non-drinker a non-drinking cave dweller I suppose you could say (laughs) Oh, and that gets back to how we started, you know, when we're not drinking, we are extremely powerful. So what advice would you give to anybody listening to this right now thinking, yeah, I don't want to drunk dream my life away. I really want to do this. Um, And I can see your point, but I'm still scared. What would you say? Yeah. 
Well, I don't think our dreams come to us by accident. I think mm-hmm. that our dreams are the deepest level of desire that are actually given to us by something else, whatever you believe in, whatever outside of you thing that is more powerful than you that created everything or the universe itself. I think that that's where our dreams actually come from. And I think they come to us because we are the exact person who's meant to fulfill them in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think it's a sacred act. And I think that we can live in the fear and the the limitations and the, you know, the lack and just not believing that we're worthy of it or that we can do it, or just, just looking back and saying, that's not for me. And, you know, we have really one life, you know, as far as I know, I don't know, maybe reincarnation (laughs) exists, but as far as I know, this is the only time I'm going to be on this planet, you know, and this idea that I was snoozing on my potential, that I was wasting so much time not working on my gifts and just feeling so stuck. It just makes me so sad, you know, in a minute, in an instant, we could be gone in an instant. Right. And, and that's such a scary thought, but it also propels us to urgency, urgency to grasp this life and understand that we wouldn't have these dreams if we're not capable of achieving them, that they're given to us literally as a sacred mission, whether you want to write a book, whether you want to launch a business, whether you want to become a coach, whether you want to change careers, whether you want to move to Spain and live in a cave, whatever <laughs> it is, I think it's in your heart to fulfill that. You know, I've already always had a dream of living in Europe and I'm finally here. I mean, I've visited so many times, but I'm here for the entire summer. My husband quit his job. So many fears we had to overcome to get here. You know, mm-hmm. just like you, I'm sure leaving the UK, we had to find someone to take care of our dog long-term and we had to quit my husband's job and we had to, you know, settle up a lot of things around the house, just so many things that would have stopped us. We had to face the fear of possibly World War III breaking out, right? You know, there's so many things that will always prevent us from going after our dreams. But like I said, the regret will weigh on us so much more. And I think really, when we take a leap of faith, we can't know all the answers. We don't have certainty, right? We won't know what happens. Same thing with taking a break from alcohol. You don't know. But I really, truly believe that when we take a leap of faith, Mm -hmm. miracles happen. The universe catches us and it catches us on the other side. And we are literally, there's opportunities like blossoming in front of us. We couldn't have imagined, you know? So if you don't, you're not sure what it is, but you know, you have a clue, a hunch that life could be better, that there's something more for you, you know, strengthen that faith muscle above all else. You won't know all the answers. You won't know how it's going to turn out. Fear will always be there to pester you, but Mm -hmm. Taking that leap of faith can be one of the most freeing feelings ever of knowing that you are trusting your intuition, your heart's desires. I promise you your heart's desires and your intuition will never lead you astray. And it's our ego and our small based thinking and our, you know, lower self, our, our, our fear-based self that really holds. And if it had its day, if it had its say, we would all be never leave the house, right? We would never leave the house because of how fearful it is. And so really even discerning what voice are we listening to more of the time, the faith or the fear, I think can be really helpful exercise. You won't regret it. You can start small, you know, wherever you are, whether you're not, not yet taking a break from alcohol, take a weekend off, take a week off, you know, go for Mm. a month, you know, whatever is, is stretching for you at that point is, is really, I think, effective. You're already not drinking, but you're looking for the next step you know, and you want to write a book or launch a business or make a change in your career or relationship, start looking on the internet, start finding mentors and guides that can help you with that. Start reading books about that. You will never regret it. You know, it's a leap of faith every single time, but we also come alive when we take those leaps of faith. Yeah, we do. We do. And I would just add to that and say, 
maybe think about something that you've already done that you found scary but you did it anyway um because that just shows you you know how strong you are and how capable you are and how much confidence that you do have um anything that will just remind you that actually I can do this big scary thing because I've done a similar big scary thing and when you're doing it when you're you know walking the path you take the step it's suddenly not as big and as scary as you thought it would be I think again it comes back to that belief doesn't it you don't really know what it's going to be like until you try and that's all you can do I think just try just have faith just just go for it and get support along the way if you need it whatever that looks like yeah I love that so much and and you know there's so many people who do have a religious faith and we use the word faith a lot to mean you know in a religious way but what if we also mean it in this way too right what if true faith isn't just believing in a you know this deity or that deity it's having faith in the messages for your life you know Mm -hmm. And what if that is the ultimate test of faith? Like we really go after the things that our heart is compelling us to. I think that would be so much more all-encompassing and giving us such guidance, such support, knowing that, you know, we're not alone. We, we, have, we have so much guidance from our heart, from whatever you believe in, from whatever's out there, um, urging us along the way. And you just won't be disappointed when you listen to that voice. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is so lovely. I'm so excited. Thank you, Carolina. I know that everybody's gonna love this and hopefully come away feeling inspired and excited to to take their own leap of faith towards whatever that might be. Um, so thank you so much. It's so good to see you there in Poland as well, in Europe. Thank you. Thank you so much conversation with you and if anyone's interested in learning more um you know i have a book called euphoric digital call gain a happier more confident you uh you can find it in the uk and the us on amazon so just google that and uh thank you so much it was such a pleasure to be here oh you're welcome and we put the links in the show notes of your book and your website and everything um so people can contact you directly if they want more information um and if they want to read their book your book of course Perfect.